Chapter Fifteen of the Widow Married: A Sequel to the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen: An Arrival, Affectionate Greetings amidst Latent Fears, The Disclosure, Manly Dignity and Female Vengeance, Determined Courage, A Trial of Strength. Here's Aunt Betsy. Here's Aunt Betsy burst from the little emily as she stood at the drawing-room windows the day after general hubert his wife and daughter returned to brighton and the words were accompanied with such gay clapping of the hands and such joyous skippings and boundings as left no doubt of the sort of welcome the great-great-aunt was likely to receive she has come indeed mamma cried elizabeth throwing aside the book she was reading and exhibiting very nearly as much childish glee as her younger sister may i run down to meet her no no elizabeth let me go first and take her into the parlour replied mrs hubert she may be tired by her journey dear and may wish to be a little quiet at first mamma mamma compton is come too compton is handing aunt betsy out cried emily who still kept her post at the window this was intelligence that seemed naturally and of necessity to break down all restraints whether of ceremony or prudence and mother and daughters very nearly vied with each other in the velocity with which they descended the stairs the old lady and her young attendant were however in the hall by the time they reached it and the presence of the young man proved to be of considerable utility occupying his two sisters so completely for a minute or two as to give mrs hubert the power of leading her venerable aunt quietly to an armchair in the parlour and hearing her declare that she had enjoyed the journey exceedingly and was all the better for it mrs elizabeth compton as she was of course called by all the world save the hubert family was at this time somewhat past seventy but never was the allotted threescore years and ten borne with less consciousness of their weight than by this fragile-looking little spinster she was as thin as it was well possible to be her delicate little hand literally permitting light to be visible at worth its slight integuments but all there was of her seemed imperishable hardly partaking of the materials on which the wear and tear of time takes hold and with an unquenched spirit in her eye that shot forth the same intellectual vigour it had ever done my dearest aunt cried mrs hubert fondly hanging over her and looking into the cheerful face that smiled upon her with truly filial affection my dearest aunt how delightful it is to see you thus so completely yourself so perfectly well and unwearied after your long journey no very long journey dearest agnes you see how i am accompanied and i suppose you guess that i arrived in london the day before yesterday and waited till my application to the stephensons to run away with my young squire from their river abode at richmond to your marine abode here could be forwarded and granted do you think the general will be very angry with me for stealing a week or two from the mathematics not past forgiveness aunt betsy replied mrs hubert now stepping towards the door by which her son was entering and offering with successful rivalry a mother's arms to draw him from those of his sisters which still encompassed him is he not grown mamma said elizabeth did you ever see anything so tall rarely at sixteen minus four months replied his mother looking at him with irresistible admiration i only hope he does not mean to grow any taller i shall not answer that till i have measured myself with my father said the boy drawing himself up and exhibiting as fine a face and person as nature ever bestowed my intention is to be exactly as tall as general hubert for as it is my full purpose and resolution to be a general hubert myself i really think the best thing i can do is to take him for my model but do not talk of my being tall elizabeth is a perfect giantess thank heaven however i do not think she is quite so ugly as she was 
what do you think about it aunt betsy altogether there never was a happier family meeting every heart was overflowing with love and joy and had it not been that the recollection of the o'donagough family once or twice mantled the cheeks of agnes with a blush which the old lady saw but could by no means understand every one of the little party might have been said to be in a state of perfect enjoyment in about an hour after mrs compton's arrival and when she was comfortably installed in the drawing-room general hubert returned from his ride and again all the pleasure of the meeting was renewed he was almost as fond of the eccentric old lady as agnes herself and felt a degree of pleasure from her society and from the whimsical but shrewd spirit of her conversation which is rarely communicated by persons of her age but in the midst of their lively talk there were moments when the brave general looked almost as embarrassed as his fair lady upon recollecting the nature of the family news he had undertaken to communicate and not even the sight of his noble-looking boy whom he had not seen since he left him at sandhurst some months before could drive mrs o'donagough and her family from his head for ten minutes together at length suddenly coming to the conviction like macbeth that quote, if it were done when tis done then twere well it were done quickly end quote. he stopped his son compton short in a very animated description which he was addressing to his mother and sisters of a royal review of which he had been recently a spectator and saying laughingly aide-de-camp chargers dukes marquises firing and charging mercy on me compton you are like a magazine of powder in the very act of ignition do explode for the especial advantage of elizabeth and emily in the dining-room will you for i really want to converse a little with your aunt the gay young trio started up and made their exit while the face of their mother who perfectly comprehended the motive of the manoeuvre instantly became of a very bright celestial rosy red and she had actually the cowardice to walk to the other end of the room for her work-box in order to have something on which to fix her eyes that she might avoid the danger of encountering those of aunt betsy <clears throat> said the general are you going to work dear agnes said the old lady don't go to work yet love i have not looked at you half enough my dear aunt began the general and paused my dear general returned the old lady gaily with her head a little on one side and her bright eyes twinkling in his face with a look of exceeding pleasure for there was nothing she liked better than to be called aunt by general hubert my dear aunt we have some news to tell you he resumed and i am sorry to say that i am not quite sure you will like them indeed what can that be i wonder montague is not ill is he i have seen all the rest of you pooh nonsense general tell us your news i do assure you i am not in the least afraid to hear them aunt betsy mrs o'donagough and her family are come to england a most perfect silence which lasted at least two minutes followed this announcement and then the old lady said in a sort of lively tone peculiar to herself quite indescribable but exceedingly expressive of a little internal méchanceté mrs o'donagough and her family arrived in england well general hubert i really cannot conceive why you should imagine this use would not be agreeable to me all persons i believe rather like to have their prophecies come true remember what that keen observer the dean of st patrick said he'd rather that his friend should die than his prediction prove a lie then why my dear sir should you entertain any doubt of my heartfelt participation of your joy on this occasion look up my dear mrs hubert never mind your carpet-work for a few minutes let me wish you joy my dear 
you are now about to reap the reward of all your unwearied and unceasing attentions to these amiable relatives how you must enjoy the idea of it and the general too just as his young family are growing up what an advantage for them elizabeth in particular i should think the young ladies must be nearly of the same age and i cannot doubt that my niece your aunt mrs o'donagough formerly the widow barnaby keeping in mind the many proofs of affectionate remembrance which you have bestowed on her during the whole period of her absence will indulge miss hubert with her daughter's company both in town and country as much as you could possibly desire i really wish you heartily joy of this most happy family reunion it is as indeed you well know no more than i was quite sure would happen but as you never appear to agree with me in this opinion the circumstance must come upon you with all the additional delight of being unexpected i wish you joy general hubert heartily general hubert looked half angry at some parts of this harangue but before it was ended he had perfectly recovered his good humour and said with a laugh that was at least half genuine come come aunt betsy as you are great be merciful you certainly appear to have seen further into futurity than either agnes or myself i freely confess that i never thought these good people would return to england and i will freely confess also that i should have been quite as well pleased if they had not but jesting apart their arrival cannot in reality be matter of any very serious uneasiness to us and i confess i feel not in the least degree doubtful but that i shall be able to guard my stronghold wife daughter and all against all the attacks which the o'donagough faction may be able to bring against it the flexible and speaking features of the little old lady's expressive face changed as she listened to these words from a sort of gaiete maligne to a look of lamb-like gentleness and submission oh dear me general hubert how can you for a moment suppose i doubt it don't mind me or anything i say it is only my foolish joking way you know i should behave better if you had not all young and old conspired to spoil me but do not fancy for a moment that i am not aware of the utter impossibility that you should blunder in any way agnes looked up at her aunt from the corner of her eye and shook her head though almost imperceptibly as she listened to her but the unsuspicious general walked across the room to the venerable mystifier and taking her hand replied thank you my dear madam for your confidence in me even agnes must know by this time that it is impossible to pass through life without finding ourselves occasionally obliged to associate with persons extremely far from agreeable and the great secret i believe is to learn how this may be done without jostling against them i dare say it is said mrs compton in the same gentle tone and you must have had so much experience in the course of your varied and busy career that it cannot be doubted but you must understand this better than most people at any rate better than a poor old recluse like me perhaps i do know something about such mysteries replied general hubert smiling and dropping into a chair close beside the old lady and therefore i flatter myself that you will let me keep watch and ward over you all and guard you from all social perils let them come in what shape they may happy are those so guarded responded mrs elizabeth compton solemnly here again mrs hubert looked into the face of her aunt but this time she did not shake her head appearing on the contrary well satisfied at its expression and looking herself more comfortable and at her ease than she had done since the discussion began perhaps said general hubert now fearlessly resuming the theme perhaps under any other circumstances i should be disposed to shake off the acquaintance of this o'donagough family altogether 
and so get rid of the inconvenience as you would do my dear lady at once but i confess after our long correspondence it strikes me that there would be something very pusillanimous in this and that it would look vastly as if we were conscious of not having tact and savoir-faire enough to take care of ourselves a soldier and afraid cried mrs compton briskly nay then my dear general if such be your feeling who can wonder at your scorning what none but an old woman perhaps would deem the better part of valour but tell me dears in what part of england do our recovered relatives take up their abode general hubert and his wife exchanged a furtive glance but the gentleman answered boldly i really do not know dear aunt where they mean to live but at this moment i believe they are at brighton the old lady was engaged in neatly folding a silk scarf she had taken from her shoulders but on hearing these words she stopped short in the middle of the operation and remained for about a minute as still as if she had been shot and then having taken rather a long breath she resumed her employment and pronounced very tranquilly the monosyllable oh it was precisely at this moment that a servant entered the drawing-room and putting a visiting-card into the hands of mrs hubert said are you at home ma'am this discreet individual was the old butler who although he had received no orders to deny his mistress felt doubtful whether the recent arrival of mrs compton might not render the admission of company inconvenient mrs hubert changed colour as her eye glanced upon the card who is it agnes inquired the general but agnes instead of answering gave back the card to the servant with a silent movement of the head which indicated that it was to be handed to his master there could hardly be a greater proof of the high consideration in which mrs compton was held than that general hubert coloured also as he read the same but he rallied instantly and said this is mrs o'donagough's card my dear madam perhaps we'd better send down a word that we are engaged you are too recently arrived to wish for company decline seeing mrs o'donagough on my account general hubert said the old lady with a smile of ineffable sweetness oh no i would set off for compton bassett again instantly if i believed such a thing possible i do assure you i shall be delighted to see her i consider her coming just now as peculiarly fortunate desire mrs o'donagough to walk up said the general this is quite an unexpected pleasure said mrs compton turning towards agnes i assure you i feel quite curious to see her this was said so naturally and moreover it appeared so very likely that the old lady might feel curious to see her travelled niece that mrs hubert was perfectly restored to composure by the assurance and rose to receive her aunt and cousin with as little repugnance as if she had been alone the entire composure was however a little shaken by the ardour of mrs o'donagough's approach who rushed forward with the same warmth of rapture that marked the first interview with her beloved agnes upon her arrival and it required very considerable self-command on the part of mrs hubert to endure without wincing the long close hug bestowed upon her conscious the while that aunt betsy's eye was fixed upon her and the capacious mass by which she was enveloped at length however she was released and then with the sweet gentle gracefulness which could not forsake her even when withdrawing from the arms of mrs o'donagough she said give me leave mrs o'donagough to introduce you to your aunt compton it is so many years since you met that it is probable neither would now recollect the other mrs o'donagough started a little but immediately put herself in an attitude of great dignity while probably to the astonishment of all parties mrs compton rose from her chair and placing her hands before her made the lowest possible curtsey saying as she did so with a most courteous smile 
you wrong my memory niece agnes and yes i should surmise that of mrs barnaby o'donagough also we are neither of us cast in moles so common as to be easily forgotten for myself at least i can declare with all sincerity that i should have recognized this lady as the daughter of miss martha disset in any part of the world well ma'am and i believe i can say as much for you replied mrs o'donagough ceremoniously returning the curtsey you should have known me for miss martha disset's daughter retorted the old lady in her gayest voice no ma'am certainly not replied the swelling mrs o'donagough filling a good-sized sofa with her presence as she spoke i could hardly have mistaken you for my mother's daughter i think but i should have known you for my father's sister anywhere i thought so i thought so and pray is this beautiful young lady your daughter ma'am said the whimsical spinster fixing her looks upon patty with a mixed expression of wonder and admiration mrs o'donagough looked for a moment as if she did not quite know what she would be at but her internal conviction of patty's extreme beauty and the indisputable glory of maternity which she knew attached to herself and which now for the first time was displayed before the of course envious eyes of her old aunt speedily restored her complacency and she replied with an air that perfectly enchanted the old lady yes ma'am this young lady is my daughter miss martha o'donagough as remarkable i beg to assure you for the accomplishments of her mind as for the beauty of her person though i bring her up with the very greatest care to prevent anything like vanity entering her head i don't scruple to allow that she is handsome before her face because she well knows that handsome is as handsome does her excellent father who is one of the best and most thoroughly gentlemanlike men in the world has always taught her to understand that beauty is of no consequence whatever in comparison to good behaviour what a treasure she must be cried mrs compton gently but fervently and so beautifully dressed too tis easy to perceive mrs barnaby o'donagough i mean that she is a young lady of great fortune yes ma'am thank god the days are gone and over with me when i wanted anybody's help mr o'donagough is a man of fortune and in every way a gentleman indeed ma'am it seems to me that you are the most fortunate lady in the world said mrs compton gravely and so i am ma'am and no thanks i must say to anybody but my own good conduct and knowledge how to conduct myself however i am willing if other people are to let bygones be bygones and only to remember that my relations are my relations without raking up any disagreeable old stories about what's past i am sure mrs o'donagough replied the old lady in what might be almost called a voice of contrition i am sure we must all be very wicked people indeed if we return such generosity on your part with ingratitude i am grown older and i hope wiser than i was mrs o'donagough when i saw you last and i hope my conduct will give proof of it well ma'am it is never too late to mend replied the large lady bestowing a sort of encouraging nod upon the little one whose figure by comparison hardly seemed to exceed the proportions of a fairy i dare say we shall get on very well together and as you took such a fancy to my niece agnes because she was pretty it's likely enough you may do the same by my daughter and if you do you will find her everything that a gentleman's daughter ought to be and as good and civil to you as if you were as handsome and smart and young as herself go over patty and kiss your aunt compton the young lady rose and so did the old lady also but no one save mrs hubert in the least degree comprehended her feelings 
no no young lady she said waving her off with her hand and walking with a quick step towards the door as she spoke no 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 i know better than to let the kisses of a young beauty be wasted on a little hunchbacked old woman like me you must let me look at you and admire you which i am sure i shall do without ceasing but as to kissing no 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 the young lady knows better than that with these words she slipped out of the room and took refuge in one on the same floor to which she had been already introduced as her own what a funny old woman cried miss patty a little before the door was closed after her hold your tongue child said mrs o'donagough rather sotto voce as we have made up all our old quarrels so well i shan't let you put your own nose out of joint by any pertness remember that how wonderfully well the old lady takes care of herself continued mrs o'donagough addressing mrs hubert i declare i think she looks better than ever she did in her life by the by my dear agnes what was all that stuff she told us about her being as rich as a jew don't you remember i suppose it was all a joke wasn't it mrs compton is too generous to be very rich replied mrs hubert gravely what she still gives away all her little substance to beggars does she she need not have lived like a toad in a hole in her own farmhouse as she did if she hadn't turned her back on her own relations and given all she had to make herself a name among the poor your wife comes of a very good family general hubert little as that queer old soul may make you think so i am fully aware mrs o'donagough of mrs elizabeth compton's claims to respect in every way replied general hubert with some stateliness oh dear me i didn't mean to doubt it sir i know too well what a gentleman is to have any question of it my own mr o'donagough will i am quite sure conduct himself towards her exactly upon the same principle but it is quite right nevertheless for the credit of the family that you should both of you know that notwithstanding her unaccountable queer looks and ways she is a born gentlewoman believe me madam i have never doubted it replied general hubert rising as if to leave the room will you excuse me aunt said agnes rising also if i leave you now to go to mrs compton she is but just arrived from town and may require some attention after her journey to be sure my dear you are quite right i never preach what i don't practise let us all be attentive to the poor old soul i am sure if she behaves but decent i don't want ever to quarrel with her again come along patty we shall find our party at the library i suppose i hope my dear agnes that you and the general and elizabeth will all give us the pleasure of your company to tea and a sandwich some evening aunt betsy seems so mighty brisk that perhaps she may come too and i'll engage my word for it that mr o'donagough will receive her with every politeness mrs hubert coloured faltered and finally turned an imploring look upon her husband which he rightly interpreted into a petition that he would reply to mrs o'donagough's invitation you are very kind mrs o'donagough said he stepping forward but when mrs elizabeth compton is with us we never answer for ourselves my goodness exclaimed she with unfeigned surprise that is treating her with respect but i suppose you have some reason for it upon my word however i would not engage to say that mr o'donagough would go quite that length if ever she comes to stay with us however if you have really cockered her up to that pass general i suppose i must send a written invitation in proper style and then you may consult her and let me have a regular written answer i shouldn't wonder if the old lady was to feel a little curiosity to see what sort of style we live in 
she'll find a difference agnes i can tell her from the time when you and i first broiled over to compton bassett and found her stuck up in the middle of her bees do you remember perfectly replied mrs hubert <laughs> what an old frump she was to me do you remember but never mind i have promised the poor old soul that bygones should be bygones and so they shall for me come patty for a minute or two after mrs o'donagough and her daughter had left the room general and mrs hubert remained looking at each other in silence at length agnes said this will never do montague we really must not let them meet again it is impossible mrs o'donagough should long remain insensible to the bitter quizzing aunt betsy is pouring upon her i do request my dear agnes replied the general that you will let things take their course i have little doubt but that aunt betsy will manage her jibes and her jestings too discreetly and too skilfully for any mischief to come and even should the two ladies quarrel outright it would be a matter of no great consequence but the fact is agnes that aunt betsy's quizzings are rather directed against me than mrs o'donagough i understand her perfectly dear whimsical little old soul and entre nous i am quite determined to overthrow her tactics she wants to prove that we have acted very unwisely in neglecting her advice when she recommended us not to answer mrs o'donagough's first letter from australia and i am determined to show her that i really know how to take care of myself and you too even though the redoubted barnaby daughter husband and all have had their claim to kindred fearlessly admitted agnes smiled so then she said the business afoot is nothing less than a sharp encounter between the wits of general hubert and mrs elizabeth compton eh bien faites votre jeu my husband as it is utterly and altogether impossible that mrs o'donagough should ever trouble my spirit more except by troubling yours i shall sit by and watch your manoeuvres as composedly as if you were performing a comedy expressly for my amusement neither am i in the least afraid of trusting my beloved aunt betsy in your hands though i suspect you mean to plague her a little don't you a little perhaps replied the general laughing and upon my word she deserves it she really seems to suppose that i and my race are in danger of being blighted and disgraced for evermore by the overpowering influence of these australian cousins don't you think she overrates their importance a little agnes why yes i hope she does but indeed montague if she goes on in the complimentary strain with them i cannot answer for my gravity the surprised stare of the young lady's enormous black eyes and the comical struggle between gratified vanity and suspicious mistrust in the countenance of my aunt barnaby are almost irresistible what will you say to me if i laugh outright and how on earth are we to keep compton in order you know aunt betsy's in all things considerably too much inclined to charter the vehement exuberance of his saucy animal spirits and i fear that if he should perchance take it into his head to amuse himself at the expense of my exotic relatives she will hail him as an ally a great deal too joyfully upon my word montague i think we should do very wisely if we moved our sea-quarters to eastbourne or hastings and upon my word agnes i am more nearly angry with you for saying so than i ever was in my life before should you really think it wise and reasonable if i were to permit myself and my household to be driven round the country from terror of what the o'donagough family could do to us come come agnes this craven proposal only proceeds from a little covert inclination to take part with aunt betsy against me is it not so i don't know i assure you montague i think we shall get into a scrape while you and aunt betsy are running this tilt together fear nothing dearest 
for i only mean to prove to the mischievous old lady that notwithstanding all her predictions we have run into no danger whatever well then i trust that you will soon succeed and that your joke will be safely over but i have stayed too long from her do you think i had better say anything to her about mrs o'donagough or let the subject drop decidedly say nothing about them unless she leads to it herself and i entreat if she does this and perseveres in the same tone of persiflage that you will fool her to the top of her bent and appear to understand everything she says literally this will be no easy task montague if she pushes the joke much further however i will in all my best obey you sir and trust that the influence of my name may enable me to enact the vrai agnes to your satisfaction while this conversation took place at one end of the marine parade mrs o'donagough pursued her way in excellent spirits to the other miss patty who had scarcely ever heard the obnoxious name of aunt betsy mentioned in her life had now to listen to a great many very deep and shrewd observations concerning her it is no little matter we have done to-day patty i can tell you that said mrs o'donagough with an accent which to the young lady seemed rather mysterious in its solemnity some people say that that little crooked old woman is immensely rich if she is but that's neither here nor there i won't pretend even to give an opinion upon it only this much i will say that it is perfectly and altogether beyond the reach of belief that general hubert should let his wife make such a fuss about her if she is not she looks as if she had been buried fifty years and dug up again observed the young lady that's a monstrous good description of her patty but don't you let your wit outrun your discretion darling if she has scraped and hoarded up some money from what ought to have belonged to my poor dear father and nobody else there is no reason under the sun why it shouldn't every farthing come to you everybody that ever heard of her knows that she is the most capricious old soul alive first taking a fancy to one person and then to another all of a sudden once for no reason in the world that anybody could find out she took it into her head to spend nobody knows how much money in dressing your cousin agnes from top to toe and sending her off miles and miles from home to a fine school and to my certain knowledge she had never seen the child above once or twice before i was by when she took the fancy into her head and i am as sure as sure that it was for no other reason in the world than just because the girl looked pretty when she took off her bonnet and shook back her curls i remember the stare she gave her as well as if it was but yesterday and do you think patty i didn't see the stare she gave you to-day agnes willoughby was no more to be compared to you at the time i speak of than chalk to cheese and i do believe in the bottom of my heart that if we have but wit enough to flatter her up a little and manage to put you forward well you will have a better chance now than any of em well mamma replied patty yawning all i have got to say is that if the old mummy has got some tin to give i wish she'd come down with it at once for i want to have a black silk cloak trimmed with lace like matilda perkins and if i don't get what she has hoarded soon i shan't care a farthing about it at all for i'm sure when i'm married i shall expect my husband to shovel out the money whenever i may happen to want it nonsense patty don't talk so like an idiot replied her mother you are old enough to know better or if you ain't i'm sure you have no business with a black silk cloak trimmed with lace how do you think child that you are to get this fine rich husband that is to shovel out such loads of money upon you i should think you might know without my telling you that a girl's chance of a good match is doubled and trebled a hundred thousand times over by her having some money herself money enough to buy nice things and set her beauty off of course she ought to have and it's a sin and shame if she has not 
replied patty but i don't see what she wants of anything more if she's handsome why then you are not half such a clever girl as i took you for miss martha take my word for it that there is no man but what likes to get money with his wife if he can catch it you don't mean to say mamma cried the young lady colouring as red as scarlet you don't mean to say that such a girl as i am ought to be married for her money laura mercy patty what a pepper-box you are i never said any such thing you little fool replied her mother laughing you need not be in such a fright nobody can know the value of fine eyes better than i do my time is not so long gone by i can tell you but what i can remember what they are worth but that's neither here nor there patty the fact is you must be civil and attentive to this crabbed old lady and when your father hears what i shall tell him about her he'll be sharp enough in looking after your behaviour i'll engage for it then let him give me a black silk cloak said patty i'll be hanged if i plague myself to be civil to that little old witch for nothing by this time they had reached their own lodgings and it was with great satisfaction that mrs o'donagough found her husband in solitary possession of the drawing-room for her mind was full of important matter and telling patty that she had better go and call on the perkinses she seated herself exactly opposite to her spouse and informed him of the unexpected interview she had had with her old aunt she recounted at length the history of the perfect reconciliation which had taken place between them described the old lady's evident and frankly expressed admiration for patty related the rumours which had reached her before she quitted england concerning her aunt's accumulated wealth and finally expressed her conviction that the best and wisest thing they could do would be to cultivate the acquaintance of the old lady most assiduously i shall say the same my barnaby replied mr allen o'donagough if i can find out that you are right about the old queen's cash but you don't seem over clear upon that point and i have too much promising business upon my hands already to waste time in running after moonshine i wonder how the old lady came whether she staged it or posted you did not happen to hear did you no donny i did not replied his wife but it would be a capital thing to find out wouldn't it it would be as good as a peep into her strong-box mr allen o'donagough did not answer but sat musingly swinging one leg over the arm of his chair for a minute or more then suddenly starting up he said let me find you here when i come back barnaby i shall not be long had time been allowed the lady might have questioned him as to his purpose but there was not for before she could say stay he was out of the room and in the next moment she heard the house door close after him though still unrecognized by any former acquaintance mr allen o'donagough had fully renewed his intimacy with all the holes and corners terrestrial and aquatic with which brighton in common with all other watering-places abounds to one of them he now made his way and beckoning to him one of the satellites whom he knew as ever ready to do his bidding for sixpence he instructed him to repair to the house of general hubert and inquire of the domestic who should answer the bell if he could be so obliging as to tell him where mrs elizabeth compton's carriage put up in less than five minutes after mr o'donagough had pointed out the general's mansion to his agent the fellow returned to him at his station in an obscure street close by and told him that the lady's carriage was at the wellington arms having honourably paid the promised sixpence mr o'donagough proceeded to the stables indicated and there had not only the satisfaction of seeing mrs elizabeth compton's handsome travelling carriage but also a most respectable-looking domestic who stood by evidently to superintend the various cleaning operations that it was undergoing within and without 
mr o'donagough approached and fixed his eye on the lozenge with an air of an experienced herald this is mrs elizabeth compton's carriage sir is it not said he civilly addressing the servant yes sir replied the man touching his hat i hope she is quite well quite well sir thank you she must be getting old now good lady did she come down post all the way from london to-day yes sir my mistress travels wonderfully well still she came post from exeter to london the other day without stopping above an hour on the road that is capital indeed good morning yes my barnaby the game is worth following her own carriage post all the way from exeter and a servant that looks as if he might belong to a duke said mr o'donagough re-entering his drawing-room and reseating himself in the chair he had left about forty minutes before bless my soul you don't say so exclaimed his wife in return what a sly old miser she must have been for years and years to be sure but no matter for that donny no matter how the money was scraped together so as our patty does but get hold of it if she does but get half it would be well worth having you know her own carriage just think post all the way from exeter her own servant think for a moment my dear whether the half of that would not be worth having and remember that if she was to die to-morrow we have just exactly as good a right to it as the huberts my patty you know is precisely the self-same relation to her as agnes don't you see yes my dear i see replied mr allen o'donagough and a very pretty little sight it is there's no doubt about that all you have got to do is to keep it in view and come in at the death if you can then i will immediately write an invitation to them all to spend the evening here on wednesday next said mrs o'donagough do my dear replied her spouse and if they come i assure you i shall think very well of your chance mrs o'donagough only gave an intelligent nod in reply and seating herself at the table immediately composed the following note my dearest agnes i cannot describe to you the pleasure it has given me to see my dear father's own sister again once more and that too in a manner so much more agreeable than upon any former occasion thank providence my circumstances are such that i shall never want to be troublesome to her any more in any way and this must of course be a relief to her mind dear old lady will you my dearest agnes have the kindness to present my most dutiful respects to her and tell her that i should consider it as the very greatest honour and favour if she would come with you and the general and our dear elizabeth to pass the evening with us on wednesday next i think that if possible our sea-view is still more beautiful than yours at least patty says that at high water it beats all the rest of brighton poor dear girl she is positively longing to see her great-aunt again she has been telling her papa that she never in her whole life saw any old lady that she so much admired and felt so much inclined to love do my dear agnes my own dear sister's only child do exert yourself to obtain this great pleasure for us and believe me my beloved niece your ever affectionate aunt martha o'donagough End of chapter 15